You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. The stress is over, the checking, the fixtures, the permutations, the bookies, odds, the optostats. No more talk about goal difference, VAR size. No more if only games, no more if only Tyo hadn't got injured. Worry not, Nottingham Forest are staying in the Premier League. Joining me to discuss the 1-0 win over Arsenal, the fans, the noise and the celebrations, first of all, is former Reds midfielder Lewis McGugan. Lewis, good morning. You well? Good morning. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Good, good. And second guest today is broadcaster and Reds fan Darren Fletcher. Fletch, how are you? Yeah, uh, the boy's not great. I've not got a game to do this week. And that's a legacy of Saturday and Sunday. But I think we're going to try and battle through. It's worth losing my voice to stay up. That's fine. I was going to say, if you were a commentator, you're a proper injury doubt for your next game. Most of the viewers have wanted me to lose my voice for a while. So <laughs> <laughs> and joining us as well is Reds fan Emily Anderson. Good morning, Emily. How are you? Good morning. I'm fantastic. Yeah, I feel great. Good. Well, the question for our next guest then is, uh, <laughs> is he feeling great? Greg Mitchell, are you OK? Yeah, I mean... Uh... <laughs> I'm not usually one to over celebrate or have too many drinks, but even I, <laughs> even I had one on Saturday night. <laughs> I almost spat my water out there into my laptop. <laughs> yeah, there's a few videos floating around of you enjoying Saturday night, so we know you made the most of it, but it's well deserved. And I will say, not blowing smoke up your ass, but we'll talk about the fans and the impact of the fans. But you know, you deserve a lot of credit, and by you, I mean yourself and Forza for all the work they've done. Because without you guys, and obviously Steve Cooper and the players and it wouldn't have been the same on Saturday night. So, well done to you. Why don't you kick us off, Greg? Talk about the day, the night, the emotion, what it meant to you. Well, we're used to it now, aren't we? These massive days, and it did feel like we were going to do something when that Everton result came in, even though we were in the Trent end at the time, setting up when like the 99th-minute goal came in. It didn't matter. Everyone was like, oh, but we still knew we had to win, and... There was just such hope and such belief around the whole stadium and it never ended, did it? So just unbelievable from start to finish the entire day and exactly what we wanted, exactly what we needed and uh, another one that's suddenly become one of my favourite ever days supporting Forest. And they all seem to have come at once, don't they? So we're spoiled at the minute and we've just got to keep enjoying it. What was it like for you, Emily? I think, were you there with your kids as well? I was there with my niece and nephews. Um, I... I wasn't as optimistic as you, Greg, and I, I know people think I am, but I was so nervous on Saturday morning. I don't know about anyone else, but Saturday dragged. I kept going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, time to go, yeah, time to go. And, and the, the kids were so nervous, which kind of made me nervous. Um, but I have to say, once we got into our seats and the atmosphere was already building, wasn't it? It did feel special. And we all had a bit of a, oh, Everton have equalised. But then we, we said, all we need to do is win. We just need to win. And as soon as Mullins Pitaya played and then we were singing and singing and singing and we got that goal and it was just brilliant. It was up there with Wembley and it felt like to me, I know it wasn't obviously at Wembley, but it felt like that day we had at Wembley. Celebrations at the end, no one wanted to go home. And I still can't quite believe that we've done it with a game to spare. All those pundits that have already relegated us and here we are on the beach. And Lewis, you were there with your son. I think it was his second home game. He's going to think, you know, it's always like this, isn't he? We're setting a dangerous precedent for him, but uh, a great day for him. And as a former player, you must have loved it as well. No, I think it was a great day all around. He he, he enjoyed it. Uh, the, the people I have side of us uh, got his life story. Uh, I couldn't shut him up at times, you know what I mean? But it's uh, 
he's now really starting to feel. And and to be fair, every time every time we've we've gone to a game, uh, the one the, the two at home uh, recently with the Brighton and and the one on Saturday, the atmosphere has been has been up there with the best I've I've ever seen. So uh, long may it continue, and and hopefully now it's the start of a, a foundation to build from. Um, if your voice allows, Fletch, can you put into context the achievement of what happened, you know, staying up with the game spare? You were always a 17th is everything kind of, uh, that was always your stance. And now it looks like it's going to be 15th or 16th maybe. But the, the scale of the achievement by Steve Cooper, the players, and I'd lump the fans in with that because I think they played a part as well. Yeah, um, amazing really. I mean, I, I, I always felt that we'd do it and I always felt it would go late. I thought it'd go to the final game of the season, so the fact it hasn't is wonderful. <clears throat> I mean, it was a mad day. I mean, we started off, my son was at the game to, to watch it, but he, he played at Pride Park against Derby that morning and he scored and made one. So we'd already got like the edge over Derby. So I thought, well, that's a good start. <laughs> and I had to commentate on Tottenham at half past 12 and couldn't really concentrate because I knew I'd got to get straight to Nottingham from Spurs, which is not an easy ground to get away from. Walked into the city ground about quarter past five. And I've got to say that our fans are the best I've ever experienced. But I thought they reached new heights on Saturday to do it for 90 minutes, well, 90 minutes plus. There were no lulls. It was brilliant. And I, I just, I spoke to some of the players after, and a couple of them said to me, today's better than Wembley. I mean, Emily said, you know, that it's right there. Greg said it's right there. To some of the players, they, they feel it was even better because it was just our day. It was at the city ground. The Arsenal fans had gone. We all enjoyed it together in our city. And it was at the end of a journey that at, at times seemed impossible and felt impossible, didn't it? But somehow they've always been able to find that resolve and that little bit extra. And I think we all get bogged down on here. And we talk about Steve Cooper all the time. And, and I, I get that. And it, it's deserved. But that group of players over the course of the season have done so well to, to stick together, to do what they're supposed to do, to improve as Premier League footballers. I mean, how many of those players now are better at this level than they were at the start of the season? We've had different shapes. We've had different teams. We've had nine players out for a significant period at one stage or another with injury. But that group of players have done this city proud. And I hope that when we reflect on the ambition of the owner and we reflect on the achievement of the manager and his staff, that we look at that group of individuals who came together and did what they did. Because I'm as proud of this group as I've ever been for a group of Forest players going all the way back because they've been written off so many times and they never let anybody down and they deserve it. And to see them bouncing around the pitch on Saturday, to see them all together in the parlour and every single one of them was out celebrating. It was just magical. And, and I, the thing is... <laughs> We did Wembley, so Wembley would never quite feel like that again. Yeah. And when we stay up next season, it won't quite feel like it felt on Saturday. So these are all unique in, in every way. And the fact that everybody's able to... Imagine if we did it at Crystal Palace and not many would have been there compared to mm. who was there. And then you could all go out into the town and enjoy it on Saturday. I mean, that's just... If you could write the script, it would beat Arsenal at home like that. Stay up. We all go out and stay out until somebody drags us back in. It was magical. <laughs> Uh, Lewis, I know Fletch said we always talk about Steve Cooper, so I want to talk about Steve Cooper. Just, uh, 
talk to us from a former player's point of view about the scale of you know the job he's done this season, the new signings, the injuries, melding a team together at the highest level, while himself learning on the job as a pretty inexperienced coach himself. How good has Steve Cooper been for you? No, I think that he's uh, he's been terrific. I think that at the end of at the end of the day, the end of the long season, I think one of the biggest words probably that he will use. I think he's just relieved. I think he's relieved of a lot of a lot of the situation. Yes, the, the, the final hurdle they've got, which is the main prize, but along the season, the ups and downs and a the, the lot of downs they've had, the scrutiny that he's been under, the constant kind of coming support from the owner, maybe his job's, his, his job's uh, not safe. So I think I think at this point in time, I, I, I listen, the weekend, I'm sure he, he enjoyed it, but I think him and his staff, for this next couple of weeks, I think they'll just be relieved. I think they'll just need a uh, a long break mentally because it's been it's been draining for everyone. But these, but the staff and the manager, they have to live it every day. They they have to have that confidence in the players, and they have to keep every Monday morning. They have to keep trying to get that change room and keep that change room upbeat after sometimes sometimes bad performances and bad results. So. Uh, at the end of the season, I think it's that point that the biggest hurdle, which was to stay in the Premier League, and that's what they've done, and that's a fantastic achievement, and that's something that on his CV will be will be terrific. But I think as a, as a group, as a manager's with a manager's hat on, he'll be thinking about everything else apart from himself, and 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 that's and that's the job that he has to do. But he'll be ready for the rally and rest. That's for sure, and uh, and start again. Yeah, I mean, at the end, Emily, we hadn't seen those fist pumps for a while quite deliberately and they were back and there was uh, just a release of, you know, pure, like Lewis says, relief, joy, everything. You saw all the emotions in the way Steve Cooper celebrated that result at the end, didn't you? We really did. And do you remember, it was about a month or so ago back and Steve Cooper had to explain why he wasn't fist pumping at the city ground because the job wasn't done. And actually, I'd forgotten that. And when the final whistle went, we all said, get Steve Cooper fist pumps and they felt amazing for us and you could see you know when he, he lifted his head back and he did it to every corner of the stadium and you could just see that stress just leaving him and he'd done it and his team had done it and the fans had done it and I loved the interviews he did afterwards where yes he obviously thanked his players that have done everything as Fletcher said but he thanked the fans you know the fans have stuck with him through thick and thin when we've been looking like we ain't going to get out of the relegation dome, when are we going to get another win? We've still stuck by Steve Cooper. And thank God we did. If you look at all the other teams around us, they've all changed their managers. So these new managers are all trying to work out who their new squads were. We've been quietly going along our business. Steve Cooper has been working out who his best 11 is. And we've just ticked off at the right time, haven't we? And we've done it. We've done it with him and we've done it as a team. And it just feels like we're all in this together. And it feels amazing. And I suppose, Greg, at the end as well, the other thing we saw is the power of his man management. He's, you know, bigging up Moussa Kate in an interview with Colin Frey afterwards. And there's a great photo, of course, of Joe Worrell in tears and Cooper leaning over him and saying, you know, well, well done, I guess. But you can see the power of the man and what he's done to bring this group together just in that moment. He's such a good man manager. He didn't just do it. He, he did it towards the fans as well, didn't he? Like, he... He managed to guide us and get us through all this. And even like you talk about pitch invasions and stuff, I'm certain 
there wasn't a pitch invasion purely because everyone knew the fist bumps were coming. <laughs> Uh, and Temps lent uh, the club his boundary rope as well, which stopped everyone getting on. Uh, but yeah, he's just an incredible person and we've got to protect him at all costs because I'm sure the rumours will start in the summer again and we'll see what's what. And just sticking by your manager. I can't remember the last time we had a manager for, for this long, as ridiculous as this sounds. And I, I mean, I hope it lasts forever, but... If it doesn't, I hope the day he goes, he goes on his own terms and there's a statue built for him because in my lifetime, there's obviously only been Brian Clough and then Steve Cooper is right up there with him with what he's achieved in such a short period of time. Uh, how he is towards the fans, I've been lucky enough to meet him a couple of times and what he's done for friends of mine, he's just a special, special person and it's so nice to have done it with him because if we had a change manager whenever in January, February... We could have stayed up, but it certainly wouldn't have felt like this. It would have felt nothing like this. And it, it's just having that pride, not only with the badge, but the people behind it. And it's just, it has, it's been, I never thought Wembley would be beat. But like you say, doing it in front of the city ground crowd and being able to celebrate after the game with everyone you've, you've been with all year, it's just perfect. It couldn't have been better. Mm-hmm. And we get to go to Palace just smiling and thinking about nothing else. <laughs> I suppose that's an interesting point already, Fletch, isn't it? The you know, Crystal Palace are interested. Other teams are going to be glancing at him. It's no surprise and testament to the job he's done. But already we start thinking of the next few weeks and the summer and getting it right, don't we? I would think. <clears throat> excuse me. The first thing he will do now <clears throat> is forensically examine what he did over the course of the season because he's that type of person. <clears throat> excuse me. And I think that he will look at it with a tremendous sense of satisfaction. But he will now know that the next challenge is to be better next season. And I said to somebody over the weekend, there is no reason, I don't think, why Forrest can't take a Brentford-like leap next season. If I look at the, the, the starting lineups, player for player, there's not a great deal in it, if you think about it. But Forrest have had half the team out, if not more, for extended periods this season. But when Steve's had his best team, his team's won football matches. Mm. Look at it now. Everybody's fit pretty much and they've won three out of four. They can win games in the Premier League and win them well when everybody's fit. So I think the nucleus is there now. The skeleton of next season's team is there. His back three is Premier League standard. His midfield has been Premier League standard. His number nine has become a better player over the course of the season and scores goals. And hopefully they sort the goalkeeping situation out, find Dean Henderson permanently. You've not then got a great deal to add to your starting lineup. Brentford, 50 odd points. They might play in Europe next season if they get a better win behind them on the last day of the season. But I don't think there's any reason why Forrest can't make that kind of stride. And I think that will be the ambition internally to do that. I think it'll be the ambition of the manager. I know it's the ambition of the players. And it has to be. And I think he confirmed it in an interview at the weekend, it's the ambition of the owner. But they've now got to look at how they do that and what they do to do that. And let's be honest, over the course of the season, there was a number floated around a few weeks ago that they dropped 23 points from winning positions. So if you can halve that, you know, straight away, you're moving up towards 50 points. So they've not been a good team with the lead on occasions and they haven't been great away from home and they can get better there. And we are seeing them get better there. So I think... Everything we hope they can do next season, you can see how it can be achieved. And I think that's going to be the process now internally to see what they need to do to the group. And I don't think for a second 
you'll see a summer this season like you saw last season. I think they took a, a, an inter, a decision within the club that last summer would be two transfer windows, essentially two summers rolled into one to give them the players that gave them the chance to stay up. I think this season you'll see the club trade. I think some will go. I think they'll use that money to bring some in and they've got to be quality. And I think they'll also try and reduce the numbers because it has been unmanageable at times because they've just got too many. So I think you'll see the squad get a bit smaller. You'll hopefully see the squad get a bit more talent, a bit more quality to add to what's in there around this nucleus of what there is now. And then I, I, I fully expect with the three teams who are going to come up this season, I think they're all weaker than the three teams who are getting relegated. Mm-hmm. Going to the Premier League is as difficult in that regard as it was this season. And I think they will now get better. And I think it's it's not beyond the realms to say that Forest next season will hope to be a 50-point or there or thereabouts team. And that's stage two. And then you go again. And I think that'll be the focus from this point. I don't think anybody's going to sit in there drinking champagne, resting on their laurels. I think straight away they'll be looking at, right, how do we go again? What do we do? This is what the owner wants. We're going to be better. And this is how we're going to achieve it. And that's going to be positive for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we'll discuss it in great depth, I'm sure, over the summer. But I'm just interested in your point of view, Lewis, as a when you look at that team from a coaching point of view and a former players' point of view, what, what do you think it needs just to take it to the next level? Listen, back to Fletcher's point, I think that they've got a lot of... Uh, they've got a good spine. They've got a good nucleus of, of a good group. I think that the biggest... One of the, one of the biggest factors, obviously, of staying up as well is that, listen... They've made mistakes recruitment-wise. Everybody knows that. But the big thing now is staying up. They've got a chance to rectify them. It's still in the in a strong position. Whereas sometimes you don't get that chance, so you have to st- then start again. Fletcher's point about Brentford. I also use uh, a good example of Fulham. Fulham three four years ago, they come up and they spent so much money, and they just brought player after player after player, and it backfired, and they went down. All them players left. And they basically had to start again. If you look at this time around, over the over this period of the last two, three years, the the team that played in the championship is pretty much the team that played in the premiership. And over them years, all they've done is just added one, two, three, every season, just a little bit of more quality, a little bit of a different level. And that then allows you to have an organisation, to understand how you want to play. And then you can drip feed players into that and you've got that foundation. I think it's very hard. I think the first season in any league is to stay in the league. Everyone wants to play their certain way and every manager has got the way of they want they they want to play. But I think at times, sometimes that's got to go to the side and you've got to stay in the league and allow yourself to have that foundation and confidence between the players and the football club as a whole that we belong in this league. Now, hopefully, that's come a bit more with the success and the fact that they stayed in the league. So next year, it's a chance to build on that. And it's a chance to now go, right, maybe this is where we, this is how I perfectly wanted to play. Towards the end of the season, we went into a bit of a backfire, a little bit of a, bit of a low block. Did it really, was it a, really appealing on the eye? Probably not, but it's kept you in the league. So now it's just trying to find now that happy medium to implement more of, Steve Cooper's ideas, but also still have that solid base. Um, just before we come on to the Arsenal game, I'll throw a couple of names, one at you each, Emily and Greg mentioned in the comments. Um, Emily, we saw Renan Lodi in tears 
at the end and his really good Instagram post about what mm. it meant to him having come here and by his own admission struggling initially. Would you like to see him come back next season? Yeah, I think he'd be, it'd be great if we could seal his signature. But reading between the lines on his Instagram post, it feels like maybe this isn't his home because he was talking about his new baby, wasn't he? And trying to, mm-hmm. I, so I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see him stay here, but, but there will be other right back options, won't there? Um, so the, I guess the pragmatist in me would say, if we can get him, great. But if we can't, next man up, I would say. Mm, true. Um, and Greg wants to throw at you as well. Fletch mentioned uh, Henderson. Obviously, Forrest need a goalkeeper. Would he be the man for you? I'm sure he's keen and, you know, United might be open to a deal. Would you be up for that one? Yeah, 100%. He's shown what he, he thinks of the club by being there on Saturday. You know, he's injured. He's on crutches. He's not He's not currently going to play for us ever again, but he just wanted mm. to be there. He wanted to be around that squad. He's clearly enjoyed being around all season. Man United obviously aren't going to let him go cheap and there's certainly going to be other clubs wanting him, but I would absolutely love to sign him. He should be the first signature because that is the critical part for us. We we simply haven't got a, a Premier League goalkeeper currently on the squad with that kind of quality. So he's he's got to be the target and I'm sure he is. Hmm. Well, he was also in the parlour on the same crutches at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, <laughs> he decided to stay for the night with his teammate. But with all the- he'd very much like to be a Forest player next season That, that if he could have his wish that's what he'd do just on to the point of people like Lottie I think the point he's making that with Lottie being on loan that's fine but if you were going to turn that loan into a permanent transfer that's quite a significant outlay and this is not going to be a summer I don't think where you see them spend another £100 million I just don't think that's feasible from a, a financial fair play perspective or from an ownership perspective at this stage. So if you've got to go and spend, you know, in excess of £20 million to get yourself a goalkeeper, it does probably then limit what you're going to do elsewhere. They've got Omar Richards at the club who nobody's seen yet. And if you think back, the reason why Lodi came was because Richards was injured. I mean, in an ideal world, you'd like to think that he could play next season and be good enough to hold down the position. We don't know because we haven't seen him. I think when, when you asked Lou about the the positions. I think those are the two positions really. The fullback positions would look like really important ones to me. Aurier was a one year contract, so is he gonna stick around? Lobby's alone, you've got Richards, you've got Topolo, you've got Nico Williams who looks happy as a, a wing back rather than a, a fullback. So you, I think those are the areas where you've where you've maybe got the most questions about who comes in and what you do, because you've not really got guarantees there apart from Nico and I don't know what you do with the others. So I just think that might be that might be the area where they've got to take a close look. And who's to say they won't loan players again? I mean, there's going to be a lot of movement, big clubs. Chelsea have got to get rid of players. Manchester United will get rid of players. You think there's going to be some in the Premier League at least where players are going to become available. So maybe they might opt to use the loan market in that regard again. But I think it will be a more strategic approach this season in terms of what they do as opposed to numbers and, and try and work it out from there. Yeah, true. I mean, I'd love to see like a Jao Polina type midfielder come in. I know Lewis mentioned that. I think that'd be a real upgrade. But anyway, this is the conversation we're going to have all summer, I'm sure. Looking at the Arsenal game, interesting way of going about it, leaving Brennan on the bench, Lewis. We'll come on to 18% possession. I'll let Greg talk about that. What did you make of it from the way Forrest went about it? You know, defensively outstanding, to be fair, weren't they? Yeah, listen, I think that... uh... 
you look at if you look at Arsenal and if you look at a lot of the teams that, that come and play at the City ground, that possession base, they're gonna have a lot of the ball. I think if you look at the game uh Saturday, you know what I mean, a month ago we were talking about Arsenal could still possibly win the league. That wasn't a side for me up close where you think that they had a chance of winning the Premier League. I think that there was uh, their levels are, are completely dropped. I think that they had so much of the ball, but it, but at, but at any point, we never really looked dangerous. I think a lot of the ball was in front of the Forest players, and I think that that has worked. I think in that in that this last period of time when we've got these successful results, I think that, like I said, that little low block, uh, allowing teams to kind of move the ball uh, across, and if you work on that, and as long as that shape and as long as everyone's in sync with their movement. I think we have the players to then use on the counter attack, and I think that's that's what's come, and that's what happened. And and I just I just I just feel there's a few. I think Trossard Trossard had uh, a, a couple chances in the first half, one from like a corner from the from the edge of the area, and another shot. And, and they're the little things as well. I think along this period, I think the players have been uh, have been brilliant. And but in any in in, in football, you need a bit of luck. And at times when we went through that little bit of a tough stage, I think we was getting punished for everything. And I think them little things, little look, we wasn't getting them. But I think over this last little period of, of games, we've more than we've more than handled ourselves. But I think along the way, we've just got a little bit of luck at times, which has gone out, gone in our favour, and we've used it to our advantage. So same same on Saturday, I think that they had a few little half chances. On another day, they go in. The whole atmosphere maybe changes. The whole then kind of outlook to the game changes. The players then start getting a bit tense. But lucky enough for us, it, it, it didn't prove to be that way. We got the early goal. And I think from that point when we got the goal, it just seemed comfortable. The stadium was in such a good spirit. And I just, I just felt like Arsenal was never going to really score. They had a lot of the ball, but I just felt like they were never really going to score from that point on. It was a bit like to me, like in the films where they always say it's too quiet and, you know, everyone's about to die. Like, it was too comfortable for me. It was weird to say that. <laughs> it's like, the Arsenal look like they're never going to score. And then I just think Odegaard's going to smash one in from 30 yards or something. But it never happened. What talks to me about the noise, Greg, in the ground. I know we talked about the atmosphere so much. Uh, was it as loud as you've known it? Yeah, and it's. Uh, I must admit, like, I remember it was about 85, 86 minutes and I was just silent. I was just so nervous rocking backwards and forwards, thinking, oh my God, this is horrendous. <laughs> but suddenly the Trent end went and the Clough stand mm. went and I thought, what am I doing here? And the whole place just lifted. Never heard anything like it. I haven't. And better than the Sheffield United one. As good, well, better than Man City after we scored at Man City. Yeah. That was one of my favourite moments. And, and that, it was just the whole crowd went, well, no point sitting being nervous. Let's just get them over the line. And yeah, just beautiful. Just, I don't want to relive it because my nerves aren't going to hack that. <laughs> but some of the moments in that game are just going to be memories forever now. Is that what makes it better in a way, Emily? The absolute sheer torture that you go through. Mm, yeah, kind of I make heard, it worth it at the end. Absolutely. I heard a Man City fan on the radio this morning saying he couldn't get excited yesterday because they'd already won the title. And it's the jeopardy that us fans love, don't we? 
Um, I was a bit like you, Greg, so nervous that I could barely breathe, let alone, you know, do anything. And then when everyone stood up, I basically shouted for 10 minutes, sang, waved my scarf and just, oh, it was amazing. You know, when we knew, you know, when Navas went down and I'd got my stopwatch on like I always do, I was like, we've had our seven minutes. And I knew that that was it. That was it. And that feeling... Oh, God, it was the best feeling in the world. And I would relive that, Greg. I would relive that last couple of minutes right now. If you knew right the result, now. you would. No, you know what? In hindsight, come on, let's... Arsenal were never going to score. Did yeah. Navas have to make an actual proper save? No. Trossard was terrible. He didn't even get a shot on target. And yet, I was waiting for Odegaard on the edge of the box, thinking, here we go. It never happened. Think, it never happened. I think the thing is, though, we spoke about this last week. Thames was saying that he he played Brennan, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Teams that have stopped Arsenal this season have had numbers where Forest had numbers, and I think this is where the meticulousness of the manager and the staff have paid dividends this season. They set the team up with a game plan for specific situations, specific opposition. They go through it forensically. They're watching game film all the time. The players are given clear and direct instructions. And sometimes some of the breakdowns this season have come when players have made mental errors. And it's not the preparation or the approach. The players have switched off. And, it, and Lewis will tell you, that happens sometimes as a player. Fatigue, concentration, whatever. But they did exactly what they needed to do with that shape against Arsenal to stop Erdegaard getting on the ball. Because he wants to be in that pocket just outside the box. But if there's no room to play, what chance has he got? Now, I think it was a perfect illustration of Steve Cooper setting the team up sending them out with, with clear instructions and a clear game plan and it working to perfection with the players carrying everything out. All I'd say about the possession is whatever they do this summer, I wouldn't expect Forrest all of a sudden next season to be a, a 65% possession team. And you don't, you don't have to do that. But if you've got pace at the top end of the pitch, you're quite happy to do what they do. And I'd urge any Forrest fan who worry about the possession to go and watch the 1980 European Cup final against Hamburg. Fluffy played 4-5-1. Forrest hardly ever got out, but when they did, they scored through John Robertson and won the European Cup. And he often had teams in the Forest glory days, and some younger supporters won't remember it, where Forrest were a counter-attacking team and sat in and soaked it and, and you looked at it and then they'd spring with, 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 with quick wingers and with, with, with intelligent runs from midfield and they'd score goals. Atletico Madrid went to Champions League finals with 30% possession. They were winning semi-finals against some of the best teams in Europe. It's not always about having the ball. It's about what you do it, do with it when you've got it. And it's about how organised you are when you haven't got it. And if Forest play that way, like they did against Arsenal on Saturday, more often than not next season, they will get results playing that way. Because as Lewis will tell you, it's virtually impossible to break a team down who line up like that if they're mentally and physically disciplined for the 90 minutes as Forest mm. were. Um, before you come in on that, Lewis, I've ripped off. Uh, I'll put this up. So this is from Fantasy Football Scout. For those of you who play FPL, this is a good, uh, a really good website. So I'll give them a plug in return for nicking this. These are the average positions of Forest um, uh, v Arsenal. You can see Wayne Hennessy and Willie Bolly doing a good job on the corner flag there at the end. So well done to them. <laughs> well done to Wayne Hennessy as well for punching that ball at the pitch because I thought he might slip and just drop it and catch his feet and roll it in. So he's done his job. Um, what do you make of that, Lewis? It's not the, the old banks of four, it's the bank of eight and two up front. But yeah. like Fletch said, that's still that's bloody hard to break down when you do it that well, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think, like I said, I think that's the thing. I, the, when you look at it as a as a whole through the season, I, I think you concentrate on this possession. But if you look at a lot of the games that we've won at home, how many times have we played, been under the posh, maybe got away with a few uh, chances, and then all of a sudden gone up the other end on a break, running Johnson 1-0. And then the whole thing shifts. So I think that we've never been this big possession-based team and all of a sudden we've, we've completely dropped off. But in terms of that structure on Saturday, that's the hardest thing. As a and as an opposing player, it's the hardest thing to do. All you're looking, all Arsenal are looking there to do is constantly move it side to side in little pockets and all they're waiting for is one player to switch off mentally. And once that one player switches off, that's where they go. And that's and that's so even as a maybe looking at it from a from 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 a fan's point of view and from in the stadium, you're looking at it and think it's quite boring. As a player, as a as playing in that formation that Forest played, that's one of the hardest formations to play in because you are constantly mentally drained. Every you can't switch off. You need one and all they're looking for, and the players are. That's where they the second in the league. They've got players to do it, and all they're looking for that one little player to switch off mentally, to leave a gap, and they'll punish you. And Luckily for Forest and the work that they put in, they didn't do that. They managed to get a goal on the break. That also then brings Arsenal a bit more out that they have to push a little bit more. The passes, they have to miss a few people out. They start getting a bit tense. So all in that kind of plays in your favour in that formation. But I think that as a as a formation going forward, Maybe maybe it's not something that they're going to look to do all the time, but I think at certain times, especially in the Premier League, you're going to have to play like that. Mm, true. Greg, any receipts you want to cash into the overlap without doing so vociferously <laughs> they don't ask you back? Because they did take the piss for the, the 19% yeah. thing, so we won't well, that bridge. Um, do you know the <laughs> thing is, after, after that Liverpool game, the 19% possession thing, which Neville and Garriger had a little laugh about, what it is is when, when we've got the ball... <laughs> It's exciting. I think that's why the crowd gets so up for it. I mean, it didn't feel like we only had 18% of the ball on Saturday because every time we had the ball, it was a counter-attack or we were going for it and we were going up in lines. It was it was exciting football that got the crowd off the seats ready for another chance. And, you know, 18%, we probably had more real chances. Well, I'm almost certain we did than Arsenal. So, yeah, this modern, you know... I know you like it a little bit, Matt, with the XG and all of that. It does do my head in. So it's nice to uh, prove the modern system wrong a little bit. And if we have to win games like that next season, so be it. I know we're going to be an improved squad and have more of the ball, but every so often against these big teams, I mean, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, we've got all these points at home off them that have kept us up playing the way we've played. So... The ones who don't watch us often can mock it, but uh, it's worked for us and uh, it might work again next season. True, true. Uh, let's talk about the goal and then a couple of individual players. There was a spell, Emily, where, as Lewis said earlier, it felt like every shot from outside the box flew in and Dean Henderson didn't have a chance for all of them. Mm. Do you think we kind of, we've earned that bit of luck where, you know, Gabriel kicks it onto Taiwo just by doing the right things and, you know, we're not conceding silly goals anymore. And we did, we stuck to a game plan. And if you do the right things, you get that bit of fortune. And we got it there and it was very well deserved. Yeah, I think the players meticulously stuck to the game plan, didn't they? And we capitalised on the original Odegaard mistake. 
um, he sort of passed the ball beautifully onto Morgan Gibbs White and full credit to Gibbs White um, for running through like he did. And uh, the commentators at the time thought he overhit the ball, but actually it was a perfectly weighted pass, wasn't it? A little touch on from Gabrielle and a one you found the back of the net. Um, yeah, I mean, Greg will attest to this as well. How much did the roof go off in that stadium when that goal hit the back of the net? And I was dead on for that because I sit in the lower Brian Clough stand towards the front and immediately I think VAR was it offside was anyone fouled you know and you think is this going to be disallowed but no and yeah we deserve that bit of luck we've had so much bad luck this season haven't we in in various different games a lot due to our own um errors but we were just we were always in it and when and I know you weren't as optimistic as me Matt but when that first goal went in I was just scared mostly no I know but (laughs) That was the moment, wasn't it? That was the moment. And my nephew said to me, does that mean we're staying up? I said, right this second, yes, we are. But we've got to keep it like that. You know, 37 points, we stay up. And we did. We, we fought off all that pressure for the rest of the game, which felt like about seven hours. But, um, yeah. You can't, you can't take the smile off my face. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, anyone could say anything to me now. And I'll just go, yeah, well, we're staying up. So, yeah. We spoke about Taiwo at length last week, so I just wanted to talk about Morgan Gibbs-White. For you, Fletch, was that the kind of performance that actually does put you on the England radar, doing it against a top-level team with the pressure on and stepping up and being the man? That's the kind of thing that gets you noticed, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I still think in Morgan's case, this is very much in the infancy for him as a Premier League player. His first season's go in the top flight, it's been extremely encouraging because as we've all just pointed out, and Lewis would be better to talk about this than me and pick up on it, Luke. When you play the position that Morgan plays, what's around you and the kind of game you're playing in is going to dictate how effective you can be. And there have been a lot of times this season where Morgan's picked the ball up in a promising position and he's looked around and everybody's behind him or he's only got one up there with him it's then hard to create goals and score goals in that situation. And I think as the season's gone on, he's got better and better at maximising the situation that he's in. And I think his confidence has grown. I think he goes into next season from a very strong position mentally in terms of he now knows that he can perform to a certain level as a Premier League player. And if that's his starting point, at the start of next season, then it's really promising in terms of where he can be by Christmas and beyond. So, I think there's been a lot of encouragement. And I think the biggest thing he does, he's got a, a wonderfully infectious enthusiasm for the game. You know, if he's going to take a throw in, he runs to get the ball. He wants to play. He's eager and he's enthusiastic and he, he never stops running. And I think sometimes you can find a player who plays in that position and thinks, OK, well, I play when I've got the ball, but for the rest of it, let's leave it to everybody else. And he wants to play his part out of possession as well. And I think he's a, he's a fantastic talent. He's a, he's a really nice, really nice fella very level-headed, and I think he's got levels and levels that he's going to go to over the course of, of, of next season and beyond. I think he'll add more goals next season, which will be a feature for him. And what about that fist pump towards the end when he, he managed to clear the ball into the A block? Yes. It's yes. like he scored. Oh, do you know what? That that made my heart sing. And what, what, what people don't know is that last summer, when there was all the speculation about whether he was going to come and whether Forrest were going to be able to buy him. He was the one constantly on the phone to Steve Cooper. We've got to get it done. We've got to get it done. We've got to get it done. All he wanted to do was sign. 
and at that point, you can say it now because the season's over and, and, and we've stayed up. But at that point, even while they were failing to agree fees, he was house hunting and looking for where he was going to live. In his own mind, he'd actually joined the club way before a deal was done. He was invested from the start. And I think that's why you get the kind of performances and the personality that you see from Morgan and the celebration that, that Emily's just talked about there. That's what we want to see as fans, though, isn't it, Greg? We just well, that, that was psycho-esque, that wasn't it? Yeah. You, yes. you do that towards yeah. your, your A yeah. block and you, you're yeah. not playing, are you? You're yeah. wearing your heart on your sleeve. And uh, yeah. that, got, that got everyone going. It certainly did. He knew what he was doing there. There was a spell earlier in the season, Lewis, where was it like Leeds away where Forrest were playing really badly and you you weren't critical particularly of Morgan, but you were questioning his role in the team and could they carry him when he wasn't delivering the numbers? What would you say about him over the course of the season, having watched quite a lot of him now? Well, I think if you look over the kind of the last month, if you look at his positioning, his starting place is now from a wide position. He now find he's now he now has a bit more of a, a starting position. Now he comes to find spaces. If you look early on, the biggest thing about back to Fletcher's point about playing in that role, when you play in that when you play in that role in a little hole of the number ten from a central position, you're only as good as the people you play with. Can the people find you? If they can't find you, if you end up going twenty minutes without touching the ball, and that's why it always looks like a luxury. You can either be so influential or you can not be seen in a game. Because people have to find you the ball. And then also you have that point of you can go six, seven, eight minutes without touching the ball. When you then do it, you feel maybe you have to do something a bit special. You have to do something to see why you're in the team. Now, if you look at where he's been playing recently, he's been playing from a wide point, but he's now that's his starting point. But when we then have when Forrest have the ball, he then goes and finds them pockets. Then pockets then become bigger because he's coming from a different position. Sometimes when you're stood in there and you're constantly central, it's very easy to pick up. And I think that's that's helped him. Uh, I can, I can, from a personal experience, I, well, the season under Billy Davis, I scored 14 goals from midfield, but I played left midfield. But what I used to do is we had a very strong midfield. We had Paul Anderson, who played on the right-hand side, who was an out-and-out winger. We had... Paul McKenna and Chris Cohen in the middle. And I played on the left, but I didn't play wide left. I kind of played in a little kind of lopsided in that little hole. And I picked up, I got in so many areas and I scored. It's my best season scoring, scoring wise. And that sometimes now if I'd sat in that position of essential behind a striker, will I get that space? Probably not. And I know there's been a lot of talk about the, the England. And, and I think that's just a common theme in this country, I think anyone who who plays and has kind of a an, an, a good season uh, in the Premier League, if they're English, it's like that's the next thing. But I think that at this point in time, it's like Fletcher's point. It's his first season. Yes, he's had little good spells, but we let's just not get carried away. We've also got to look at you. Look at James Madison. Look how many years he's been doing it consistently, and where is he in the England squad? He's he's still on the outskirts. So. I think that, listen, he's definitely in that right direction. But I think first and foremost, he's just got to now have a good summer, have a good rest and kind of take that England equation out. The time is right. If, he, if he's still performing, it will come when it comes. But I think he's just got to concentrate on being the main player for Nottingham Forest and, and, and being the main driving force from that attacking position. 
I don't know whether there's any coincidence either in him becoming more comfortable in that changing midfield since they've gone to the, the, the Mangala Yates axis. I'm, I'm not I'm not having a direct pop at Remo Foiler, but Forrest are a different team when he's on the pitch. Forrest seemed to move the ball quicker with the, the formation, the group they've got now. And I think Lewis would attest to this that if you play in that position, the earlier you can get the ball, the better it is for you because you've got a bit more time. You've normally got a bit more space. A slow build-up with a number 10 can be a nightmare unless you've got absolute world-class players moving off you. And I think the fact that he's getting the ball earlier too, everything goes to him. It tended to go into Remo and back out again and maybe back in again. And then they'd have a look at, at Morgan. Now it goes straight to Morgan. He gets it earlier, an earlier part of the phase. And that gives him an opportunity to, to make things happen where, where the clock's on his side rather than him now thinking, crikey, you know, everybody's back now. What am I going to do? So I don't, I don't know whether you think that's helped him, Lou, but it looks to, to when I see them that the fact he's just getting that ball a bit quicker is just giving him more chance to be who he is. No, 100%. I think in, in that position uh, at, at the top level, it's that split second. That split second can make so much difference. And I think that sometimes it, it might sound a bit a bit silly, but sometimes you play with players and they don't give you the ball because they wouldn't want it in that position, if that makes sense. So it's like, even though Gibbs White will be asking for it, some of the players, and they're good players, no disrespect to them, but sometimes it's like, I wouldn't want it there, so I'm not going to pass it to him to there. So sometimes you have to have that bit of, trust you have that bit of confidence in each other and you have to have sometimes then players behind you realize how you want the ball what's the best for you and to trust you in them situations and maybe it's a times of like listen every time you get it on that half turn give it to me even if i've got a man up me give it to me because that's that split because that little that little change or that little delay that's that little second where he can turn half turn touch and he's away. Now he's then attacking the back four, the next of the strikers and they're making the runs. So, like I said, Fletch, it's a great point. I think that he, sometimes you play with players and you play with midfielders and you get a better, just a better confidence, your better relationship. You might be a bit more closer off the pitch. All these little things, just, just they all come, in, come together and he might just have that confidence behind him. He also might have that confidence of thinking, well, the two behind me, I trust them. I trust them now, both on the ball and defensively. I can now go and put myself in these positions because I know that they'll cover for me. So, but I think that also kind of, if you're looking back to the Leeds game, back to prior to that, a lot of times he was playing as like a, a false nine. So I think you've got to look into that. Like the big man up front, I know we've. I know Chris Wood got a lot of stick and it wasn't work, but I don't think you got to understand what Steve Cooper was trying to do. The target man, the focal point, it mm. makes so much difference to the whole team. And you can and you can tell now the big man's come back up front. Yes, brilliant. He's now added goals to it, which is even better. But I think it's just give the focal point for the team. It allows the likes of Gibbs White and Brennan and the attacking players to play off someone. And I just think that's bigger and I think it's gone a bit unnoticed that them times when we were struggling we was playing with no striker mm, mm. Yeah. No, that's I think as well just on that too when, when, when Lou talked about 
Morgan having confidence in the people around him. I think the team in general feels significantly more confident when they lose the ball, when Ryan Yates is on the pitch. Mm. And I think you look at it, if they can play with a little bit more abandon, be a bit more free, because I know that he's going to cover every blade of grass to win it back for us if we lose it. And I think his, his energy and desire in midfield just makes the team better. I don't think there's any coincidence that the two best runs Forrest have had this season have involved Ryan Yates being in, in central midfield. I just, I just, I think if we don't acknowledge that and realise that, we're all missing the point. He's so key to what we do. And he's pretty, you know, there aren't too many in the Premier League that have got his skill set. We often analyse players and say what they can't do. And if you look at what he can do, you go around the Premier League and find players that, that do what he does as well as he does it. Yes, there are limitations when he's got the ball. But when he hasn't, you go and find me a central midfield player that does what he does as consistently well as he does it. And that makes this team way better when he's on the pitch. Well, yeah, I got a WhatsApp on Saturday night, people watching it, uh, Wolves fans, I mentioned Wolves fans, but who are mates, they absolutely hate Ryan Yates. I mean, they hate Morgan Gibbs-White, but they hate Ryan Yates. And I love that they hate Ryan Yates. Because the player he is, because he's niggly and he's ratty. I suppose, yeah. If he's in your team, you love him. That's the biggest compliment you could pay him. Exactly. Look at Leicester. They need Ryan Yates. You say to Ruben Neves, you you ask your Wolves mates, you go and ask Ruben Neves whether he likes him, because he'll hate him too. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I love Ryan Yates. And um, it's interesting, we can't let... Sorry, the thing is, Lewis, please. The thing is, Fletch, is he understands what he is, yeah. and that's the big thing. And yeah. and and that's the problem now is that you know a lot with the, the amount of games that you, the Premier League games that you watch. Fletch, there's a lot of people in the middle now. What did he actually do? Especially in that midfield department, what did he actually do? They don't score. You perfect example. You look at Jorginho. He's played at the, played at all these clubs, right? Tell me if you look at Saturday, he doesn't defensively nowhere near Yates. As a defensive midfielder, you can bypass him very easily. When he gets over the halfway line, he doesn't want to do anything. He, he, he doesn't want to shoot. He doesn't want to break passive lines. He, all he wants to do is go sideways. Mm-hmm. Sideways and just float around. And that's the thing of like a lot of, and I think that's the effect where a lot of people are now looking at, let's just point, look at the effect and look at the that Yates has had on the Premier League. It now highlights the situation that in midfield, there's, there's been over a few years now, there's been a lot of midfielders getting away with actually not doing a lot. And I think it highlights him. The fact is, yes, OK, attacking-wise, is he? No, but, he, but but he's not in the team to do that. And he knows he's not in the team to do that. And he's the like, I can imagine the character he is. He'll be the person I've played with him as well and players that I play with me. He's the like to go to, to Morgan as well. Listen, you'll win us the game. Let me do all the other stuff. I'll do that and I'll get you the ball. But you just be ready for when I get the ball, you be ready to go and win as the game. And I and and they take that sacrifice because they know the likes of Gibbs White has got the capabilities to go and win in the game in an instant. And mm-hmm. and as a team and the players and individuals, you have to know that where your players are. Yes, listen, is Gibbs White gonna do what Yates does defensively? No. But in one moment he could go and win you the game. And at times, especially the higher you go, that's all it is. It's one chance. Look, look, a manager said to me once, when you're analysing the midfielder, he said it's a basic way to look at it. Do they score a goal? Do they make a goal? Do they stop a goal? They're the three characteristics that you're looking for. The best in the world do all three. And on a sliding scale, you get down to, to what the rest of them do. 
In Ryan's case, he stops goals. In Ryan's case, he can score a goal. He might not make too many. If you're ticking two of the three boxes, you're very effective at the affects games. He affects games. And that's it. That's that, that's what you're there to do. In any position, you're there to affect games. And that's what he does. Uh, clock's ticking, so we'll move along. There's over a 1,000 people watching. So if you're enjoying this, give us a like. If you're not enjoying this, Fletch, do nothing. <laughs> you said last week. <laughs> but it certainly helps. Uh, we can't just talk about Ryan Yates without talking about Joe Warrell as well, Greg. And obviously, Brennan's had a massive impact on this season. But to see Joe prove himself in the last month, but also over the course of the season, I think he's been maligned for uh, being worse than he was. I actually thought he was decent all season, but, but really good last month. You've got to be pleased for him, haven't you? His form coincided with the team's form, didn't it? He's had the best it's month. No coincidence. Of his... Yeah, he's probably had the best month of his Forest career. Some of the tackles he's made, you know, the influential captain that we've needed. Obviously, we've relied on Yates in that role as well. But Joe Worrell, like, bleeds this club. It's so easy to say that, but he really does. And for his form to to help get us safety with a game to go so we can all go and have a party down at Palace instead of the worrying thing. I'm just so happy for him. I'm so happy for him. And he's just one of those players who... If he gets the choice, I'm sure he'd stay at this club until he could retire in 10 years' time. And, yeah, just brilliant. Superb again on Saturday. And just such a level head when, like we were saying, how nervous we were. They just didn't show it, did they? And that's down to your, to your captain and one of your rocks at the back that luckily we've had three of them the last few weeks. Yeah, brilliant at the back. Brilliant. And, Emily, I think there's an interesting challenge now for... Ryan Yates for Lewis McGoo, uh, Lewis McGoogan. Lewis would like to be playing. I think he's retired. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long weekend. <laughs> for Joe Worrell, for Brennan Johnson, but also for Danilo and Morgan Gibbs White and players that haven't come through the academy. There's a really interesting challenge now for them to say, can I kick on? Can I go to another level? Isn't there? Yeah, and I, I just want to say, with regards to our homegrown talent, for me, it was really great to see the likes of Yates and Worrell step up. Because when we went up last season, as some fans were saying, are they good enough for the Premier League? They're not Premier League players, they're championship quality. And Worrell particularly has had some awful stick online and he's been so resilient. Um, so to see him on Saturday boss that defence and every time there was a set piece ag against us, I could see him just organising everyone and he was in charge and he was in control. Uh, but yes, I guess next season it's about stepping up to the next level, isn't it? And I think they'll all work together. The, the longer this season's gone on, the more they've got to know each other. And we've talked a little bit about how they trust each other. And it's because they're getting to know how each other plays and they're all working as a team together. And yes, you want to see the likes of Gibbs White, Danilo, um, Yates, Brennan, these young stars that we've got just to climb up to that next level. And I think Steve Cooper and his team will, will make sure that they do that. But it's just great. It's great to see our, our academy lads shining as they did on Saturday. I'm really pleased that Emily picked out the organisation from him because he's the organiser on the field, isn't he? You think Felipe's played in Champions League semi-finals and, and Nia Cathy's been a captain. But it's it's Joe. Uh, when, when, when the situation comes, Joe's the organiser. Joe's the manager's voice on the field. He takes responsibility as a captain should, but not everybody does that. And that's a, a vital role that he plays. I mean, one, one thing I would say about him is, is he, he's going into the final year of his contract. So when we talk about players who, you know, may or may come in, there are in-house situations they've got to take control of as well. And, and I don't think he's a player that you would want to go at this stage. I think he, 
he should be given a new contract, and I hope he is over the course of this summer or certainly early into the next one. We've talked a lot about tactics on here today. And I think Forest system, they started the season playing with a back three. They now play with a back five, and that is significantly different. If you think about Joe's struggles this season, it's when he's played almost as a wider centre-half, and he's had to go out and directly encounter wingers. I remember his first game was against Alan St. Maxima. I mean, what a start that is. Out there on an island as a centre-back against Alan St. Maxima. The next week, I think he had he was either Ben Rama or Bowen, depending on which side they were. And that's not really where you want a centre-half to be, unless you're extremely athletic. Now it's a back five, and Joe tends to play the width of the box, if you notice. And those centre-backs are a lot narrower. And he's now playing in an area where he's comfortable. And I don't think there's any coincidence that he's playing better because he's playing a position that's more familiar to him. And I think if you say to most centre-backs in the Premier League, and tell me if I'm wrong, Luke, you've got to go out and mark the winger. I think a lot of centre-backs in the Premier League would struggle because you don't want to be out there. They're so quick. They're so sharp. Not just they're the Premier so League, much. in football. That's the biggest thing as, a, as, a, as an attacking player. Get the centre-offs out there into the channels where they don't want to be. And it, and it, it doesn't matter. That's, that's, they don't want to be there. That's why the centre off. So, to, to Fletcher's point, it's it's a back three and a back five. Even though sometimes you don't think it's that much different, it's it's night and day because the back three you are isolated. You you are isolated mm. so much, and, and you look at most teams now. They play with a front three, and they keep them front three kind of high and wide, and they kind of cheat a little bit and stay and and stay there. They don't really come back. Uh, but I think that. If you if you if you're looking at Joe's performances and and Joe Joe is wears his heart on his sleeve, he'll kick and head every single thing. And sometimes as a he's he's, he's got a lot of criticism. And sometimes people look and think, yeah, there's maybe a, a, a few more players out there, a bit more fancy name. But you know, some looks better on the eye. But at the end of the day, he's there to defend. And every time he's on that pitch, that's what he does. He defends first and foremost. That's your job: defend and keep the ball out the ball out the net. And I think that he's come back in, coincides with the team. And I think everyone, I think the whole team, has just had a lift. And I and, and I've said that previous on the a few shows before, Matt, when I said that sometimes as a as a change room, as players, as a staff, you stumble across something, you stumble across formation, you stumble across a personnel. And all of a sudden, you get a few good results, a few good performances, and, you, and around you, you know what? We've got some confidence in this. And the lift, it, it's confidence is so much. And the perfect example is Saturday. You look at you look at Arsenal on Saturday. Like we said, a month, six weeks ago, they was ready to win the Premier League. If you look at them on Saturday, their confidence was shot to bits. They had nothing. And they've open teams up this year they've been electric at times confidence is everything and we we had that that last bit part of the season we had confidence but i also want to come back and make the point is that for me we look at the away performance yes they haven't been there the results but that that stadium this season the fans have been they've been terrific because i know fletcher's touched on it before we look at we we have to think about in this period the teams around us but if you look at all them teams around us, they've just been absolute disarray through the whole football club. The fans, the players, they've just separated. Fans are walking out halfway through second halves. And that 
at this point, from experience as, as playing, that's everything. And Saturday was was ridiculous and from start to finish. And I think that, listen, the players, massive credit, the staff, massive credit, but I think the fans. And I think if you look over social media, it started getting recognition from from around the country now that this is this is some special place and it always has been. And now it's at the top level. And it's getting the it's at that top level, it's getting Premier League football. And hopefully now people can now understand what a fantastic football club it is and what a fantastic city it is for sports. Mm-hmm. Let's add Greg back in. He's been listening patiently for the last five minutes after his <laughs> usual disappearing act. Um before we just round up, I want to get your thing take on one thing tactically, Lewis, while I've got you quickly. I'm playing a back five now with Joe in the team, Brennan's not in the team. And is that a, a challenge for the manager now over the summer to work out? How do I get Brennan in the team? How do I stay defensively solid? And also for Joe, how do I make sure I play well enough to stay in this team? Because the manager might not want to play a back four, a back five. You might want to play a back four uh, or, or a back three in the future. There's some interesting questions for Steve Cooper to resolve over the next few months, isn't there? Yeah, I think I think that, like I said at the start of the show, I think that there's going to be so many discussions going over uh, over the summer. Players gonna players are gonna leave, players are gonna come in. I agree with Fletcher's point, it's not gonna be in any way what happened this summer. I think it will be now looking at that point where maybe it's the it's the quality now, uh, over quantity. I think the big thing from a manager's point of view, which I think hopefully now with Steve Cooper, what is achieved. I think sometimes Fletcher Fletcher would would would, would uh, come on on this is that sometimes as a manager no matter sometimes what you've achieved, you go into a season, you go into uh, a new league, a league that the manager hasn't been before. Sometimes as an ownership and sometimes as a as a group, you have to maybe take a, a back seat on a few decisions. That's just football. Where I feel this this summer now, I think he's earned the right to now maybe go, hold on a minute. No, this is what I want to do. This is maybe that. Okay, last year I was a bit let let that happen. No, this is my way. This is why I'm going to do it. I think he's earned that right. So I think that will help so much more in terms of recruitment, in terms of formation, in terms of what they want to do. But I think this, when we come back to Joe, I think we've, we've got to get away that he can only play in the back five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think that's a bit disrespectful to him uh, because that's just, there's no real thing that, he, there's no way he can play in the back four. There's at times that, if we're under the pressure, and like we said before, you go into channels, yeah, okay, that might not be a strength. But as Fletch said, with most centre offs, that's not their strength. Uh, no, but he's got he's got to say, I can play ahead of Niakate and I can play ahead of Felipe because they are the first choice at the moment. He's got to keep pushing, hasn't he? But what what you've got to remember is that this is the Premier League. So this is now a squad game. This is not the championship where you're gonna roll out the same team thirty five games in a row. This is you look at Manchester United, how often they change their front three, how often he changes the midfield. This is a squad game. So, Brandon Johnson will play in some games and Brandon Johnson won't play in others. That's just the nature of it. The situation is they will play with a back four at some time, but if you're going to play with a back four, then those centre-backs need the midfield in front of them to be really good in the Premier League because they need some cover. They can't just do it on their own. So, you know, maybe that's an area they might look at and say, well, what we need is a genuine top-class midfield player to add to that group. So that allows us to play with a back four. That gives us the flexibility to do it. But 
I think they've tried everything this year. So the, the good thing about it is they survived, but they also know what works and what doesn't. They know what, what, where the round pegs are and where the square ones are with the round holes. So they know what not to do. And I think now, as we've said all along, you know, you mentioned Joao Polinia. If you've got a Joao Polinia in the centre of your pitch, you're a different team. So mm. if they go and sign someone like that, who's got a skill set that nobody else has, it opens up everything else you can do. And I think this is, to the point that Lou's just made, this is where the recruitment's essential. You've now got to add genuine quality to areas that you need it. And then the rest of the group will flourish based upon that. And you can also play different ways and be more effective doing different things. But that's a process. I'll give you the prime example this season. Steven Gerrard's the manager of Aston Villa and he doesn't know what to do to get Buendia and Coutinho in the team. So they're constantly imbalanced. He's either playing with two number 10s or he's got somebody out wide who doesn't want to be there because he knows he wants to pick his midfield three. It was a problem all the way through. Unai Emery comes in, says to Coutinho, go and sit on the bench. I'm going to pick this team. They're now balanced. They win. The talent was there all along. Sometimes managers get blind spots over certain individuals and certain players and they can't work it out. A fresh pair of eyes come in and say, well, that's the problem. I'm going to do this. And you start winning. The good thing about the Forest situation is Steve's experienced all of that over the course of the season. So he knows exactly where he's coming from going into the next one. Yeah, um, no, I agree. We're running quite low over time. A couple of quick bits of housekeeping. Commiserations to Forest women who lost their mm. playoff final against Watford. Uh, ridiculous scenario that only one team goes up. But that, team, that changes next season. So hopefully... They win their league and get promoted to the second tier. But they've had a great season nonetheless. And well done to Andy Cook for winning Manager of the Year at their level. Um, can't go without mentioning Jack Colback. Greg, great servant. He's leaving at the end of the season. What would you say about him? Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to give him a bit of a send-off on uh, Saturday, wouldn't it? If he's fit, it'd be nice to see him feature. Uh, I think we're going to win 6-0, by the way, now the pressure's <laughs> off. But, uh, yeah, he, he was influential last season, wasn't he? And we've had him in his twilight years, really. And whether he goes off and plays anymore or whether he goes off and retires, he's always going to have a, a place in Forest fans' heart for, for what happened last year, especially. Hmm. And he did a job this season as well, Emily, didn't he, to be fair? when He, he certainly did. We call him the ginger prince in our house. Um he can do no wrong. I've always loved Jack Colback. And do you, who was the goal against? Was it against West Brom last season? Yeah, Brom, he yeah. meant that as well. He did. No, he absolutely meant it. Well, he's the ginger prince, so of course he meant it. But <laughs> did yeah, he mean he, that, Lewis. You scored <laughs> goals from far away. Did he mean that? If you remember the you goal, always mean it. You always yeah, mean it. You okay. always mean it. I mean, his face <laughs> meant it all, didn't it? His face meant it. Always meant it. No, yeah, I wish Jack the best. And and to echo what Greg said, I'd really love him to get a run out against Crystal Palace so we can properly, you know, say goodbye to him and and clap him off because he's been fantastic for us, hasn't he? Um, And he's always put in a shift, put in a shift in midfield. Not always the most fancy pants player, but he's always worked hard for us. Yeah, he's done a great job. He's done a great job. Right. Uh, Any last words, Greg, on, I don't know, whatever you want, the weekend, the season? The overlap, uh, anything? No, no, not the overlap. Uh, any other <laughs> business? Oh, what a weekend. I saw the chase play the band I've been banging on about all all year. Uh, Saturday, at, uh, Friday night at Metronome. Uh, my little nephew's team played at Pride Park as well, West Bridgeford Colts, and uh, he took his little Forest Ramslayer flag. There's a great, uh, <laughs> great picture of them. Uh, good luck to Newcastle tonight. Champions League uh, 
aspirations. Can't remember who they're playing, but I hope they win. <laughs> and uh, it's just nice that Nottingham Forest are once again cemented as the biggest team in the East Midlands, and long may it continue. Certainly, certainly. Emily, any last words from you? Yeah, I must do a quick plug for, you know, the Mist Rolling In fanzine. Um, yeah. They've been doing it for quite a while now. It's issue five, I think, has come out. I did an end-of-season review for that, so I've been asked to kindly plug that. Um, so I think you can still get copies of that if you want to get it. Um, also, want to say big apology to the man that was sat next to me at the game on Saturday. He was an old boy, probably in his 80s. He had a walking stick. And I was probably the worst person to sit next to. I kept bundling into him. And, yeah, he ended up leaving in the 88th minute. So I'm really sorry <laughs> I didn't ruin your season. <laughs> Lewis, any last words? Any apologies you want to make at all? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Fletch, I'll let you sign us out. Anything you want to say before we depart about the season in general or, I don't know, life, anything? I walked out of the stadium on Saturday and walked through hundreds of Forest supporters who just never seemed to leave that facility, whether it was the ground, the boot room, the Larwood, wherever it was. And I'd like to say, say thanks to everybody who said nice things about this podcast. Lo- loads of comments about it. Loads and loads and loads of comments about it. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad you enjoy what we all do. And, and I said at the start of the season that 17th was enough. And 16th is even better. We've done it. We all stuck together. The manager's still with us. The owner's ambitious. The lads have been brilliant. They're only going to get better. I'll say this now. We have no fear next season about being relegated. We can come back at the start of the season looking at going up. We're not going to wonder what's, what worry about what's behind us. This is a team that's on the move. A fan base that's the best in the world, not just the best in the country. I travel all over the place and never hear fans like ours. Absolutely fantastic. This club is on the rise. Next season is going to be even better and we're all going to enjoy it again. I just hope the summer flies by, get the fixtures out, know where we're all going to be and we can all enjoy it again. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I was, what Fletch said, like a big thank you from me and everyone who does the podcast, for everyone who listens and watched and supports us and messaged over the weekend saying can't wait for today's podcast. No pressure there. So um, hopefully we delivered something you've enjoyed today. If you what did we like could it. Do, Matt, we could treat Greg to some better internet for next season. That might be. Can I say one more thing? Mug. Yeah, please. Can I say two more things, actually? Oh, Echo, hang on. What, I just want to say two things quickly. Yes, Echo, the, the number of people that came up to me, I felt like Beyonce on Saturday, that said, <laughs> I've seen you on the Garibaldi Red, and my family were so embarrassed. So that was fantastic. And secondly, just big, big up my brother who at the playoff final said, we will stay up no season, no doubt. And I didn't believe him. So, Will, I'm really sorry. And thank you. You were back. <laughs> yeah. Closing note, <laughs> people who are at Middlesbrough, or the game against Middlesbrough, when we were god-awful and Chris Ewan got sacked, to think where we are now, beating Arsenal in the Premier League, to stay in the Premier League, with everyone so united, it feels like a special time. So, just, uh, yeah, really enjoying it. Can't wait for Crystal Palace. Wish I was going. Greg's going to just tear up London, no doubt, and be at Buckingham Palace, never mind Crystal Palace, <laughs> dancing on the roof or something, being arrested by security. Get himself so. a crown. Do you know what? <laughs> I'll tell you something. BT Sport said to me last week, if we do Crystal Palace on the last day, what do you think you'll be like? And I said, might want to use somebody else. Can't promise. <laughs> <laughs> We went into the weekend 
and the way the picks work, we were either going to be doing Palace Forest or Leicester, I think. That's how it's going to work out. And I am so relieved <laughs> I've got to stand on the gantry at Sellers Park and try and be down the middle, which would have been impossible on the day. <laughs> so thank you for doing it with a game to spare. So I'm not going to get made redundant or whatever it is next week. Symbolic <laughs> performance at Sellers Park. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's let Leeds, Leicester and Everton slug it out. I've got absolutely no interest in their results. Doesn't it suddenly. feel good that we oh don't have to God, worry? Oh, I watched the Leeds game with a pint yesterday. Happy as Larry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, on high tide, we're dragging on now, but God, Sorry. they're terrible. I mean, they're bloody awful, Leeds, <laughs> and Everton are crap. You know, Leicester are rubbish, Southampton are rubbish. High tide's like a very easy thing to say, but we're better than them. I feel like the fans on Saturday, we just don't want to go home, we just want to stay here and talk about it. <laughs> no, we've got to go, we've got to go. Uh, right, oh, thanks everyone who's watched along. <laughs> so many comments, I couldn't read them all, but it's been a great season, and we'll be back with a preview for Crystal Palace if anyone actually cares about the game. Uh, and then we'll do lots of stuff over the summer. A live show is coming, details to follow on that. So survivors of the first one are very welcome to be added to their numbers. Survivors is the right word after it's so cold, as Fletch and Greg will attest. In the meantime, have a good week, and we shall see you soon. <laughs>